You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome back to another episode of our Locker Room Q&As here on the Locker Room app, available on your iOS apps. We are iOS devices. This is Pride of Detroit, part of the Pride of Detroit podcast network, let's call it. My name is Jeremy Reisman. I am the managing editor slash editor-in-chief slash whatever you want to call me of Pride of Detroit. You can find me at Detroit Online. With me as my two co-hosts, as always, Eric Schlitt, the actual managing editor of Pride of Detroit. Uh, you can find him at Eric Schlitt. How you doing, man? I'm doing good. I don't. I wonder how long it's going to take us to actually get used to the new titles. Yeah, I, it, could it be like a year? Like I feel like it's going to take us a long time. If I know myself, I'm absolutely never going to nail that in- intro. It's just never <laughs> going to happen. We're going to have to live with it. Uh, but uh, our other co-host here, uh, senior editor. I don't. I don't ever mess up that title. Uh, Ryan Matthews at Ryan underscore Pod. Ryan, how you doing, man? I'm I'm doing just fine. I think I'm doing better than both of you guys. I didn't wake up at 5:30 in the morning, and uh, I'm not coming off the uh, the day after the second vaccine. I know I know what that's like, so I don't envy either of you. Hey, but no excuses. We are we are five days away from the NFL draft as we're recording this. We got to get going. We got to answer all of, all of life's questions in these next five days because we. Uh, there's going to be a lot of excitement in ahead, and we want to know what's going to happen before it even happens. And that that's our job, right? It's just to predict exactly what's going to happen on Thursday. Professional Always. prognosticators. That's us. <laughs> All right. Uh, if this is your first time listening or participating live with us, we take live questions here on the locker room app for basically a, about an hour, 45 minutes or so. Um, so let's just kick things off. Um, we have our first request to join us, and that is from Tim. Tim, can you hear us? Yeah, I can hear you great. Hey, how's it going, man? Uh, great, great to talk to you, Jeremy and, and Eric and Ryan. Um, Appreciate that. I, uh, Eric, I feel you with the baby getting up early. <laughs> uh, so, um, yeah. All right, my question, I guess, uh, <clears throat> let me preface it by saying you, you guys have talked ad nauseum, I think, um, about first round and possible second round picks. So my question is more like a theoretical when do the Lions start reaching uh, for position need in the draft versus highest on the board? Um, you know, I, with only six picks, barring any sort of trade back or, or you know, trading future picks to get in additional picks, um, it seems like, you know, best available is the route to go, barring, you know, except for, you know, drafting two quarterbacks or, you know, uh, two tight ends or something like that. So I just wanted to kind of get your opinion on when you think it's the best time to go for, let's say a linebacker, if you're reaching or, 
a safety if you have to reach or if the if that's not even a possibility to you? Yeah, I, I think that's an interesting question, Tim, because from, you know, week after week, we're doing those mock drafts on on YouTube and Twitch. And the one thing I keep figuring out is like you can't really fix everything in one draft, especially like you said, if they don't manage to trade at and get some additional picks. So it's an interesting question. Is there a point in this draft where you guys are comfortable with them kind of reaching for need just to make sure, you know, they have a linebacker, make sure they get a, a, an offensive lineman that, that could potentially start. Um, let's start with you, Ryan. Yeah, Tim, I'm really glad that you asked this question because we haven't gotten a question like this at all. So, I mean, <laughs> you preface it as something we we've talked about it ad nauseum, but like, this is something that we haven't talked about that I think is a really, as Jeremy said, an interesting topic to, to dive into. So, you know, doing all these mock drafts, I, I, I had an article that literally just went out on Pride of Detroit about, like, what is, like, a must-have position for the Detroit Lions? And I, I truly think that right tackle is a position where the Lions really need to upgrade that position. Like, everybody likes Tyrell Crosby until Tyrell Crosby is going to be, like, the starter for 17 games. Do you know what I mean? Like, we, we've seen Tyrell Crosby in spot start duty and, and handling some things here and there, but... I don't think he's a, a viable long-term solution at right tackle. So I, I think if the Lions don't get either Sewell or Slater at seven, or if they you know move back and, and they still have a chance to get one of those two guys, um, the second round is at, at pick 41 is really where the tackle class you would need to like make a pick at tackle because I think by the third round you, you start to see that tackle class like fall off a cliff in terms of a guy that you could get as like a day one starter. So I think that's a position, especially, um, you know, if they don't go offensive tackle on day one, they have to do it early on day two. Um, if they, if they don't address that need at seven. What are your thoughts on the topic, Eric? I'm going to take a slightly different approach and say, I, I don't want them reaching for any position at all in this draft. I, I just, uh, I think there's a lot of, there's enough situations where, what you need is going to match where you pick. Uh, but I don't want them like not taking a tackle at, at seven and then saying we have to get one on day two. Uh, I, I don't think Brad Holmes will do that either. I, I think there's a very high precedent that you have to, that a receiver makes a ton of sense. An offensive tackle makes a ton of sense. I just don't want them pigeonholing themselves into picking a position because they have to because they feel like they need it on the chart. I would rather them take a player of value and then sign another free agent and and just kick the can on if you need a right tackle of the future. I completely agree uh with Ryan that it, it it makes a ton of sense to add one of those guys. That right tackle spot is going to be very important. And I think there's spots where you can get them all throughout the first hundred plus picks, but I don't want them reaching for anything really. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of more along the lines of those thinking just because, again, the draft is, is something you do for the future, right? Um, and if you're relying on a rookie here in, in year one, I know there's a ton of, ton of needs in year one. The, the fact of the matter is you're just not going to fill them all. There, there's, there are going to be some spots that are left unaddressed. There's going to be some weaknesses on the roster, and you'd love to tackle them all in year one, but you won't really be able to. And the we're starting a new pretty much at every position, right? Even the ones that it feels like the Lions have figured out, like running back, right? You know, they're they're three deep on that. But three years down the line, it's possible all those guys are gone. Um, so you, I think at this point, uh, I'm with I'm with Eric. You're just kind of drafting for for talent and finding it really at any position you you possibly can. And and I do think that includes you know potentially quarterback if one falls to their lap and at seven. 
All right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. I, I'm, I'm yeah. with you and agreeing that, you know, with only six picks, I think you don't reach at all. And you just fill in, you know, grab a guy on a one-year deal like Eric, like you were saying. So, cool. Thanks, all right. Thank, thanks for the question, Tim. Appreciate it. Um, let's go to our next caller, Jonathan. Jonathan, are you there? Can you hear us, Jonathan? I'm losing you. Oh, I can hear you. <laughs> oh, oh, there you are. <laughs> How's it going, man? Good, good. How are you guys doing today? Good, good. Right on. Hey, Eric, I just want to say uh, it's awesome that you guys, uh, that you came over to Pride of Detroit, you know, from Lions Wire. I followed you a little bit over at Lions Wire, and I just think you're awesome. Thanks. Appreciate that. It's kind of like the WCW merging with <laughs> WWF, you know. That's, so. that's Ryan's going to like that comparison. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, absolutely. <laughs> uh, my question is actually about Clinton Cephas. Uh, wide receivers, uh, we've got a couple of wide receivers from free agents, and it looks like we might be going for a wide receiver, um, you know, in the draft potentially if it falls to us. What happens to Quentin Sevis if we do that? You know, there's a lot of competition there for that third, fourth, fifth uh, wide receiver spot. Uh, another good question. I, f- I feel like he's kind of the odd man out that a lot of people forget. Is he even on the team? But some question whether he's a fit, you know, given the kind of guys they've been signing, fast, speedy guys. That's certainly not Cephas's game. But uh, l- let's go to you, Ryan. Do you think Cephas's days are, are kind of numbered here, or does he have a chance to, to play a, a big role, even if they do draft someone? I don't know if he's got a chance to play a big role, but he has a chance to play a role. And I think that we've, we've talked about this before in the sense that Quintez Cephas offers something that the other wide receivers that they have signed this offseason don't. And he's mm-hmm. this big guy who can uh, play in the slot, um, possession receiver type guy. So I, I, I think that Cephas moving forward, he can he can be a depth guy and he can serve a very specific, specific and specified role, but I, I wouldn't count on Quintez Cephas in terms of like figuring into the Lions' long term plans by any means. Um, and I, I don't think that he alters their approach to the draft whatsoever. What about you, Eric? Yeah, I, I think he can be a role player. I think there's a spot for him to exist, right? And that really depends on who gets added in front of them. But a wide receiver four role, wide receiver five role as a big slot receiver, uh, there's there's an opportunity for him to still carve out a role. You got to remember his his basketball background really helps him create a nice target for uh, the quarterback, and, and that'll be valuable uh, for the Lions. All right, appreciate the question, Jonathan. Hey, thanks, guys. Uh, you have a great day. You too, man. All right. All right. Let's go from Jonathan to John. John, how you doing, man? Not too bad. Morning, guys. Morning. The um, okay. The one question I have for you: I've been watching the safeties, trying to find some safeties out there. I know Morrig and Grant are in the first couple of rounds. Um, down the road, no one's talked about him much. Um, he's a big guy, Divine Diablo, kind of a hybrid. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how well he qual while well, he might work for us, but it just seems like with our needed linebacker and safety, this guy is a, a big punisher in the center, a good team captain, a good a good player, was a wide receiver quarterback in high school. They they converted him to safety. He's got, I just think he's got some huge growth on this 
on this kid, especially with our uh, our coaches. Uh, what do you guys think of him? See, he's a possibility for us later in the later in the draft. I don't know how far he might fall, but like at pick one hundred and one or in the fourth round, I think this guy'd be huge for us. Yeah, uh, definitely an interesting prospect. Diablo out of Virginia Tech, six three two twenty six, but ran a four four four, I believe. So got the athletic traits. Eric, what do you think of him? Yeah, I like him a lot. Um, I think there are two safety roles that you could see the Lions add. One of them being a safety who can. Uh, drop deep into free, but also play over the slot, which is why uh, Mooring, Jamar Johnson, Richie Grant, Javon Holland, those are all guys that I think would be in play in the second round. And if you can get Diablo at the top of the fourth round, or maybe you get, feel like you need to use one-on-one on him, I think that's absolutely fine because Diablo can be your third safety. He can also be a sub-package linebacker. He's comfortable in quarters, which the Lions will run, and so he can drop deep when you need him to be, but he also plays that hang roll that's missing. So he 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 not only has a 4-4 speed, which is really good for his size, but he has really good explosion, and uh, he ends up with one of the better RAS scores of the safeties in this class. Now, the reason that I think that the Lions would be looking – for a a hang type uh, hybrid defender like that is because they went after um, they went after Keanu Neal in free agency. Mm-hmm. Keanu Neal uh, with the Falcons was their strong safety, and he's with the Cowboys now. The Cowboys are going to use him at linebacker. And the fact that the Lions were going after a player like him tells me that a player like Diablo would be in their plans. Now, Dave Sears was at their pro day. And so Dave Sears got a real good look at him. I would not be surprised if Diablo ended up in a Lions uniform. Where where do you think he, the Lions could grab him? Do you think they they have to maybe use that second third round pick or or maybe that fourth round pick? No, I think one hundred one or one twelve. That's okay. a great great spot yeah. to get Diablo. Cool. All right, thanks for isn't the question, John. Oh, go ahead. Isn't he also, and wouldn't he also be a great name, uh, name category guy? <laughs> oh, that name. yeah, that's at least a, I would say a three seed in the name bracket, maybe even higher. A three seed, dude, divine Diablo. Okay, <laughs> <Like, laughs> holy juxtaposition. Yeah, I do Come like on. the alliteration. All right, all right. We'll 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 commit to a two seed if he if he gets drafted. I don't want to commit too early though. You know, name bracket's <laughs> okay. still a month away, Thanks, and he guys. needs to be on the team. <laughs> that, that too. Thanks for the question, John. Appreciate it, Thanks man. Thanks a lot. All right, let's go back to the lines here. Robert is waiting. Robert, how you doing, man? Good. How are you guys doing today? Good, good. Good. Um, first of all, thanks for all the content you guys put out. Uh, you guys do an awesome job, and I hope you definitely get a chance to have a nice vacation here soon. <laughs> soon, soon enough. <laughs> um, so I really just wanted to kind of get your guys' thoughts on Brad Holden's comments yesterday about uh, scheme fit being kind of a secondary um, factor for him um, as opposed to kind of the guys with the, the grit, the high motor, and all those intangibles um, that he mentioned. Um, I thought that was kind of interesting, a little surprising. Um, and I, I don't know, like off of the Patricia thing, I mean, he had a scheme, but it sucked. So <laughs> I don't know. But what are you guys' thoughts on, on those comments? Yeah, it, it's definitely interesting because it's something that I feel like we've been promised for a while, right? Like even with Matt Patricia – he said, you know, we're going to be versatile. We're going to we're going to fit our scheme to match our, our players and, and, and not kind of worry about that and just get football players. It almost sounds exactly like some of the things Matt Patricia was saying, but we never saw him actually do it because you're right. 
everything he did was actually towards a very specific kind of skill set he was looking for, especially on defense. Um, so I think I think this is probably a case in where we we kind of have to wait and see whether you know Brad Holmes is true to his word. But I guess my question maybe to you, Ryan, is do you believe him? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he, he has no reason to come out and to kind of lay the <clears throat> precedent that he's going to, um, you know, I guess lie to the fan base, I, I think, in any sense. Like, I mean, um, I, I really do believe that from a – because, I mean, this isn't like the first time we've heard him kind of mention things like this. Like, he's alluded to this in, in previous press conferences as well. So, I mean, I, I, I take him for, for what he says at his word. What about you, Eric? Yeah, I, I I think the big difference is that this coaching staff, because it's made up of players, is a lot more likely to adjust to the players' needs and what their skill sets are than the last coaching staff was. Look, do you remember sitting in um, spring practice? I was we were standing next to each other in spring practice the year they drafted Jelani Tavai, and they were looping Tavai and Romeo Aquara and creating like juxtapositions mm-hmm. and blitzing him. And we looked at that and we were like, holy cow, like this is such an innovative way on how to utilize this big linebacker. And we never <laughs> saw nope. it. Nope. We <laughs> never saw that again in a game. And like I, again, I think Patricia like had this idea, but he defaulted back to like these old habits and he could never get away from that. Yeah. The hope is that the new coaching staff will be get creative and then stick with that creativity because they've been in those spots where when when you utilize a player to their full skill set and adapt your scheme to them, you can be successful. Yeah, it kind of felt like any time Matt Patricia got thrown off his mark, whether it was, you know, uh, an injury to a guy that was a key part of the cog, you know, when Trey Flowers goes down, it just seems like you're right. Like they just kind of default on, on bad, and yet bad habits, quote unquote, bad habits, just yeah. usual habits and, and making, make everything predictable and, and the same. And just, I mean, we got the same results for, for three years. Yeah. It's terrible. I guess, I guess it's like a follow-up. Like at what point though, because, I mean, you got to have some idea of what type of offense and defense you want to run. So, like, at one point is it like, okay, this guy just clearly is not, well, even though we love him as a player, just clearly not a fit for what we want to do. So, I, I don't. do you think that is the right approach to take? Or do you think if you guys were in the big seat, would you like to have a better idea of what scheme you're going to run in and try and draft those players? It's, I mean, that's a really, really good question. I, I think I think there is a basic parameter of, of what they're looking for. Like, obviously, there there are some traits that they're looking for. Speed on defense is, is probably the biggest one, um, whether it's straight line speed or miles per hour tracking or, or, or however Brad Holmes wants to define that. Um, Chris Spielman went out and said it like this. This defense needs to be faster. And, and you know, it, it's a it's a sideline to sideline game these days. So I think in, in terms of it's not like they're just like interviewing every guy and, and trying to see how committed they are to football and, and that's their guy. Um, but I think maybe they're just going to be looser with maybe the positions that, you know, they put these guys in and, and, you know, make certain people role players, certain people, you know, bigger, um, I don't know, bigger contributors based on what they see once they, they get them in camp. But I don't know that it, to me, that's a very hard question to answer. And if I, 
I think you have to have some sort of basic blueprint of what you want in terms of a defensive scheme and an offensive scheme, mm-hmm. but with some flexibility in there. And, yeah. and you know, it, it's hard to be specific about that sort of things without getting into direct schemes and things like that. But, um, yeah, it, you have to find some sort of melding of the two, I guess. Right. I, I just, to, to add to that too, Jeremy, like it's so refreshing. We talked about this with, with Kent Lee Platty a little bit on our podcast about uh, the, the way that Detroit might handle this draft defensively, but it's so nice to just be able to look at the linebacker class and not write off anybody who's less than 250 pounds. <laughs> right. That was really funny. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Um, thanks for the, the call, Robert. We're going to take our first break here. When we come back, we're going to answer more of your questions as we prepare for the draft, which is now less than a week away. Stick with us on the Pride of Detroit POD cast. All right, we are back here in our locker room Q&A, getting ready for the NFL draft, which is now just about five days away. Let's go to Michael in waiting here. Michael. Can you hear me? Oh, there we go. How you doing, man? Doing great. Had a question for you, looking at this around a long-term rebuild. Is it possible they're using the Kansas City model? Uh, before they got Mahomes, two years before that, their defense was a train wreck. They started to fix the offense. They brought in a uh, caretaker quarterback and Alex Smith turned around and literally fixed the offense. And then they would win or be competitive in shootouts. And that was the up to and including Mahomes' first year. And then they started working on fixing the defense. Do you think that's a model that the Lions are looking at? And if so, using that as a model, who do you think they draft in the first three rounds? I was thinking wide receiver, safety wide receiver, or in any order. It's a great question, Michael. I think that's a comparison that a lot of people have, have brought up, and I think maybe even Dan Campbell brought it up at one point. Um, is that what you see the lines are, are doing, Ryan, or is it kind of a, a different situation here? I, I think anything's on the table. Like, if they want to take a quarterback at seven right now and have that guy wait and develop a la the same way that Patrick Mahomes did in Kansas City, um, uh, it's really whatever the draft kind of dictates. Um and how dare you call Alex Smith a caretaker? Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, in terms of a blueprint, right? Like, I think everybody kind of gets wrapped up in this idea that, like, hey, let's put everything in place and then go get our quarterback. It's like, yeah, like in an idyllic world where everything falls into place just exactly how you'd want it to. Yeah, sure. But like, the Lions could be staring at Justin Fields at number seven, and you can't just because the Lions aren't quite there yet. I don't think that you can say no to a guy like Justin Fields um, if, if he happens to fall there. So, um, yeah, this I mean, yeah, their, their approach is going to be varied and it's going to really be dependent upon kind of what they can do. What, the one thing that is really telling about their offseason, right, is that they're 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 taking the long term approach because they signed a bunch of guys to one year deals. Right. Um, so, I mean, uh, you know, even looking at like a like take a look at. Take take a look and take stock of an entire position group like the linebackers. There could be an entire new linebacking core in Detroit in 2022. Yeah. Um. I mean, it, take a look at wide receiver. Another one where like everybody could be gone. So, it's um. Yeah. It's I don't know. It's interesting. Yeah. 
And I'm, I've, you know, I think one of the common talking points I've been saying all offseason is the order to me doesn't really matter whether you get the quarterback now, you get the quarterback later, you fix the offense this offseason, you fix it next offseason. Um, as long as they, they get it done and, and make moves, again, like you said, with that kind of long-term approach in mind, I don't care what, what part comes first. Um, it, either either one works, and I know there's, there's probably more more of an idea to get the the I don't know the foundation fixed before you grab the quarterback because obviously a quarterback on that rookie deal um, is is valuable and you want to get the most out of that that those years. But to me, like you said, if a if a generational guy, you know, if you view Justin Fields or or Trey Lance as that generational guy that you can't pass up this year, I say you don't pass up on him this year. Um, but I'm curious what do you what you have to think, Eric. Yeah. I- I think there's there's just so many ways that they could go, right? Yeah. Um, it 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 would make sense if uh, if they followed the KC model with Dorsey on staff, right? Because mm-hmm. that was Dorsey that was uh, you know spearheading a lot of that. Um, but you know when you look at the the totality of the roster, it makes sense to just you could add a couple of key pieces on offense and then your offense is is competitive and if you get your offense competitive then the defense is you know you you try and make the defense as as acceptable as possible while it takes you know longer to rebuild so i think a lot of the tension is going to end up on the defense over the next three years but right now you just you take the best player available and, and it looks like you know they can fill those holes on offense all right michael appreciate the question man let's move on to uh, yeah no problem sorry uh let's move on to mike hey uh love what you guys are doing big fan of eric and the whole team and eric big fan of the podcast as well that you do with joe kenya those are great too and big fan of the pod podcast so thanks for all you guys are doing thank you um so real quick when we look at this team and we see what they're looking to do from a perspective of you know, the biggest, I guess, where, where I'm most concerned is, I don't know what you guys feel like, but it's the lack of picks. Six picks mm-hmm. really pigeonholes us to have to trade back at some point in those first two rounds. I mean, I want to get your guys' opinion on that. And then also, with, the, with, with obviously knowing that we're short of picks, do you think that changes the draft strategy around, uh, like, what they're willing to take if they have to stick at seven? Because if you really think about it, there's a cluster of players. I know that's what they uh, Holmes said. There's a cluster of players mm-hmm. we feel comfortable with. But how far back can they trade up to still get a blue tra- uh, trade back and still get a blue chip player? Because one of the biggest things this team has lacked is blue chip players. Yeah. Like they've ne- they have not had all pro players since Calvin Johnson. And you know what I mean? And, and even Calvin had several years prior to leading up to his retirement where he maybe was getting it on reputation, not necessarily what he was doing. So where where do you guys feel like is the farthest they could trade back? To me, optimally, would be nine, obviously, with Denver trying to move up ahead of somebody trying to move up to eight. But where do you guys feel like is that? And then, obviously, the lack of picks. I mean, you guys, I, I think you, you guys are in agreement that this team needs to come away with at least like eight to nine picks in order to kind of make this roster fill out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in an ideal scenario, you're you're absolutely right. I think, I, and I think I'm sure Brad Holmes knows that he he would love to trade down in that first round and and pick up you know a day two, maybe a, a day three, maybe some future picks in in 2022. The tricky part is finding that dance partner, and we we all we all want it to happen, but um, 
you know, I, I really think Carolina complicated things by, by grabbing a quarterback already. And, and now you have to wonder if, if the Lions are the team that the teams are going to actually want to trade up for. Um, of course, they, they might be trading up for something other than a quarterback. And that's something you have to consider. Um, Panay Sewell is a guy that, that might be there that, that could attract some people. The Lions could certainly use a guy like him because I'm with you. The, this Lions team hasn't had a lot of blue chip players. Um, it was it was really something that Martin Mayhew wasn't horrible at. You know, they they get Indomitian to, you know, those defenses were, were in 2014 was actually pretty good. And, and they had a couple pro bowlers and all pro players, and they just really haven't had much since. Um, but let, yeah, let's tackle that the blue chip question first. How far? Are you guys comfortable with the Lions moving back to still get one of those top tier guys that might be a perennial Pro Bowl guy? I, I don't go, think I. Yeah, go ahead, Eric. No, I, I was going to say I, I think you can go to twelve. That's it. I, I, I think when you look at the class, you've got if if five quarterbacks go, that's going to allow you to have a blue chip player slide a little bit further than they normally would. And so in my opinion, if you can get all five quarterbacks to go and then you watch Pitts, Chase, and Sewell come off the board before you pick, um, then you might be able to trade down and get one of those Alabama receivers. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. you, you might, it, it really depends on like, cause there's going to be a couple, there's going to be at least one corner that goes maybe two. Uh, at the top there. And so if you go to 12, if a defender sneaks in, if a two defenders sneak in, if five quarterbacks sneak in, 12 I think is the absolute limit that you can go back and still land one of the blue chip guys. Right. I know you've kind of been a fan of trading way back and, and maybe passing on one of those blue chip players. Um, first, first, let's tackle the blue chip player. If Where do you think this, the farthest the Lions can trade down? And then are you okay with the Lions maybe passing on a blue chip player just to kind of grab more lottery tickets? Yeah, I'm I'm right there locking stuff with Eric. Um, and, and I almost think it, it might be 11 if you want to take Parsons off the board for character issues. Mm-hmm. Um, or you would hope that maybe like Parsons is one of those defenders that, you know, gets picked ahead. Um, but yeah, I, I really think it is 12. I mean, once you get past I feel like Rashawn Slater's on the he he's that tier marker where it's like he's the last like blue chip guy if if you want to consider all of the other guys and then and then after that then you start to get into your like quitty pays and you start to get into your second tier of, of receivers started by you know whether it's Rashad Bateman or or um, you know Elijah Moore or any of those guys but um, you know so, so I, I I'm totally like. I, I've been pounding for like blue chip talent and I think that it's so completely worthwhile. Like I think one of two things needs to happen. Either either Lions take somebody at seven. Um, if they can find some trade partner, like in an ideal world and move back to like nine with Denver, or, you know, it, it was kind of a bummer to hear that the, you know, the Cowboys aren't really interested in moving up from 10 um, because you, you would maybe hope that they would target somebody like Kyle Pitts if, if he's there and, and um, if he was still available at seven, I'd love to see the Lions take Kyle Pitts instead of you know, trading back because, I mean, he is a blue chip, blue chip player himself. But like it's either grab one of those blue chip guys or like move back to 19 with Washington and just accumulate just a boatload of draft picks. Like if you if you want if you truly want the ability to throw as many darts as possible, like I think Washington is a great trade partner at 19. Um, should there be a, a quarterback available? If you are of that belief, like 
Um, I, I think I was taking a look at um, – I was doing one of the, the mock drafts on the draft network, and the uh, the trade that, that, I mean, makes sense in terms of value is trading seven for Washington's 19th, 51, 74, and 82. <laughs> like, I mean, and, and in terms of draft value, like if you look at draft value charts, like that's only Washington overpaying by like 100-some points, which, I mean, trading up for a quarterback at seven – you you do nine you do ten times out of ten so I mean you could get four picks in the top <clears throat> in the top one hundred picks and we talk about how how value those or how valuable those picks are um, that that's kind of that's kind of how I see it either take the blue chip guy at seven or m- just move all the way back yeah I get that and and I mean the one thing to also keep in mind is a lot of guys that we think are blue chip players right now might not turn out to be blue chip players um, they're they're swings and misses all around the the top 10 every single year and you know i would say the hit rate's probably closer to 50 percent. and of course you trade down the, the hit rate's going to be a lot lower but um yeah i don't know i'm i'm always kind of of the belief you, you just accumulate draft picks we see we see a lot of teams in the in the low 20s kill it down there in the draft and you know a guy like tj watt gets taken what like 20 25 somewhere somewhere way down in the first round there's still going to be talent there and so I don't. I think I don't mind the Lions trading out of that top tier if 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 a good enough deal comes along because like we've all been saying, like this team needs picks. This team needs more than six picks. Do you guys think that real quick that they could, that that maybe Awarie gets moved to safety? I mean that Dunbar signing was kind of weird to me, given that he's a a front line starter, and you had two guys that you're depending on. I know. I know. I mean, if you look at what happened with another Ohio State high pick, which was. Uh, uh, Malcolm, um, guy played for the, Jenkins. That yeah. they moved. To, he was a corner in college, and they moved to safety. Maybe that's another. Maybe for Okuda. I know that. You know, both of those guys aren't the, aren't the you know the flight is the foot. You, do you think that that's a possibility? What do you think on that, Eric? Not yet. I don't think that's a. I don't think they would entertain that right now. Um, look, you you've got two young corners, and they may struggle. And then you've got Quentin Dunbar coming off a down season. So I don't mind the concept of having three potential starters on the outside at corner. Uh, I do like the appeal of getting like a Malcolm Jenkins type guy because look, who, who was the coach that made Malcolm Jenkins great? It was Aaron Glenn. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, like, I, I I love that idea of getting a Malcolm Jenkins. I just don't think that guy's on the roster now, at least not for this year. Do they entertain that down the road? Maybe. Um, I think Akuda has potential to stay outside. I think he has the potential to turn into some other things. There's just – he has the highest ceiling, I think, of, of all three of them. But um, right now, I, I think they're going to roll with all three because – Look, we saw it last year. Injuries are going to happen at corner. Young guys are going to struggle, and and to have uh, three of them is a is a really is a really luxury thing uh, that I, that they want, I believe. All right, Mike. Appreciate the question, man. Um, we'll talk to you again soon. Let's keep this train moving. Uh, our next caller is Anthony. Anthony, hey, there you are. How's it going, man? Big tone. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I've got a question probably ending up going to Eric, but uh, I've been reading a lot about how thin this draft class is and knowing that they don't have sixth and seventh round picks. Um, a lot of people have been banking on like a large undrafted free agent class, but with the reduced cap um, and a smaller than normal draft class, can you really expect to expand 
um, you know, kind of your draft class with a big undrafted free agent class and actually have any of those guys be able to make the roster? I'll let you take it. Eric, what do you think? Well, uh, I, I think you could expand the draft class if you wanted to. I do think that getting going heavy at undrafted and trying to see uh, if any of them can stick is a is a strategy. Look, last year the Rams signed 15 undrafted free agents because they were just – they threw as many darts against the wall as they could because they knew maybe one or two of them might end up sticking around. And so I, I'm kind of expecting the same thing. You know, we have – what do we have? 24 open spots or something like that. Six of yeah. them are going to go to picks. And so that leaves you with um, another uh, 18 spots that you need to fill. Why not throw – 12, 15 undrafted guys on the roster and let them, you know, fight for it. And then you still have a couple more spots that you can use to add in some veterans to compete later as well. And if you extend your draft class, even better, right? Because then you, you still have some flexibility there. But I'm expecting a ton of rookies one way or another. Yeah. Yeah. Cur- currently 66 guys on the roster. And obviously they're, they're allowed up to 90. So they've got some work to do almost – It'll, almost a third of the roster still to be filled out, um, which, yeah, I think is going to lead to a lot, a lot of rookies. At least in camp, we'll see how many can uh, can make that 53. Appreciate the, question. Appreciate the question, Anthony. Let's bring on Dylan. Dylan, are you there? Hey, can you hear me? Yep. Hey, so real quick, um, Jamal Williams, he's on a one-year deal, correct? Two-year. Two-year. Okay, yep. so after that two years up, if he leaves, we got to still bring him back because he is hilarious. <laughs> so we got to have him on the podcast no matter what NFL team he plays for, at least once a year. Uh, I'm, so, I'm fully on board with that. <laughs> so my question is, and it's kind of unfair for this kid, but do you guys have any type of doubts as far as drafting Justin Fields, just looking at the Ohio State quarterback in the NFL history? Because to me – I'm not banging the table for a quarterback anyway, but it is still a possibility that he comes to us. He's still getting mocked to us on a couple people's mocks. Is there any type of, and I know it's unfair for him, but is there any type of doubt in your guys' minds, like just looking at the rest of the Ohio State quarterbacks after they get drafted and what they can't accomplish? Ryan, are you fa- afraid of that OSU curse? Uh, n- no, you you can't be afraid of it, especially when you look at a guy like Justin Fields. Like he he is, I think, a generational quarterback prospect. Um, there's nothing about him that screams Dwayne Haskins to me. Um, I don't I don't know. Like, wh- what do you think, Eric? I think the fact that he started his career at Georgia helps him a lot, right? Because then we can just think of him as a Georgia quarterback. <laughs> um, I can think of a good one of those. <laughs> uh, in all seriousness, though, I, I think outside of Trevor Lawrence, uh, or maybe even including Trevor Lawrence, all of these guys have flaws. And none of them are really perfect prospects. Trevor Lawrence is the most consistent. That's why he's at the top. Um, Zach Wilson has a lot of uh, electricity when, when he plays. That's going to make him appealing. Fields, uh, there's... Uh, some dual threatness to his game. There's the ability to be accurate. There's toughness. There's all kinds of things I like about him, but there's also some things he has to improve. Uh, and, you know, you can add those same things into Trey Lance and Mac Jones. They, they're all going to have some sort of flaw. So, yeah, there's always a way that these guys could bust. I don't think it has anything to do with him where where necessarily they played, right? Um, you know, before Patrick Mahomes, the, te- the best Texas Tech quarterback was um, – uh, <laughs> 
the Arizona coach. I'm blanking on his name. Uh, what's the Arizona's head head coach name? Oh, Somebody, Kingsbury. Kingsbury. He was the, the, no. the best quarterback no. to come out of Texas Tech <laughs> before Patrick Mahomes. You know yeah. what I mean? Even though, um, even though you saw a guy like uh, Kyle Murray had started his career at Texas Tech, right? So I, I think you trying to group them by, um, you know where they played, it, it just gets you in trouble. You end up, uh, you know, it, it doesn't help you out a whole lot. All right. Fair I appreciate enough. it. Uh, yeah. I got one more if you guys don't mind. Sure. Yeah. And I'm, uh, I might butcher this quote, um, but it was shortly after we got Jamal Williams and uh, Dan Campbell was talking about the running back room. And he said something along the lines of like, he was praising Swift talking about how much they like Swift. And then, they talked about the Jamal Williams signing saying that uh, he said something along the lines of like, you just need a second running back or something like that. And to me, it immediately made me think like what carry on's future is. Do you think, I don't know if you guys remember that quote, but I know I remember thinking like, man, he said he needed a second running back and he didn't even mention carry on Johnson's name. So do you think that I'm reading too much into that? Or do you think that maybe his time is, coming to an end here yeah no if, if i remember it correctly i believe i believe at some point it was i don't know if it, it might have been campbell it might have been deuce daly said we need someone to compliment swift and that was before they signed jamal williams so i think no i think i think you're on the thing and even even the fact that they signed a guy like jamal williams who has made it clear he can be a great number two running back um, says, yeah, a lot about on Johnson's future. You know, I know there are some people that thought he might not make it to the 53 this year, and, and maybe he he doesn't. I, I wouldn't say he's a lock for the roster by by any stretch of the imagination, but at the same time, Deuce Staley did say, you know, the the one thing blocking. he absolutely needs, yes, exactly, blocking. Um, he, yeah. he needs a, a blocking running back, and we we all know that on Johnson has that in space. You know, the, the former running backs coach Kyle Kasky said, uh, a month ago, he's the best blocking running back I've ever seen. Um, so I think I think he probably stays on the roster, but I, I would agree with your assessment that I wouldn't view him as, as necessarily long for this roster beyond this year. You know, I, I do remember that quote that Dylan's talking about. It was when Dan Campbell was talking about the free agents they'd added, uh, mm. and he just kind of mentioned it in passing. Mm. Uh, and, and the way that I interpreted that was not so much as you need a number, like you need – two running backs it was you need complementary running backs in addition to your starter like he was right. saying you need other running backs that's the way i interpreted it um i do think carry on is in a third down capacity role he has not quite been the same since uh that the injury uh and but uh, i i think he his blocking is going to get him on this roster. You, you're going to carry three, four running backs on this roster no matter what. Uh, and I don't see them spending high capital with only six draft picks on a running back. So I, I think carry on's in a really mm -hmm. good spot. I mean, look, when you, you literally have those three guys and then uh, no one. You know what I mean? So even yeah. if you add a couple of undrafted guys – what are the chances that the, those undrafted guys beat out Carrion? I think it would be hard to come by. He's on a reasonable contract. Uh, I like Carrion's chances of making the roster and contributing in a third down capacity. And, and let me let me real quick say that Carrion Johnson is going to be in this really peculiar position this year, right? Because he's kind of he's firmly entrenched probably as like running back three. He's probably going to be like a third down specialist in terms of you know where where his traits 
are best used in terms of pass blocking and things like that. It's going to require a lot of projection for him to leave for like another team to like sign him and pick him up and say like, all right, like we're comfortable with carry on Johnson being like our number two running back when he's been, you know, a guy who's really struggled with injuries and, you know, this, this past season. And then this season, it's, it certainly seems like it's lining up for him to have like limited tape. So like, I mean, carry on Johnson might be a guy that might stick around. Um, if, you know, if the lions running back room is as fun as we're all anticipating it being <laughs> like for, for a guy to like sign another contract, like, what do you, what do you really want to go somewhere else where, you know, he, he can pick up a bigger role, maybe earn a bigger contract. I don't, I don't know. Definitely a question for down the line. Um, but I think we're all in agreement. He's probably sticks around this year and, and we'll see, we'll see how his role plays out. I mean, obviously there are injury concerns at the running back position every year. So there's a chance maybe he even gets a larger role than, than we're expecting at the moment. All right. right. uh, Thank you guys. Yep. Appreciate the question, Dylan. Um, We are going to head to our final break here. When we come back, answering more of your questions about the Lions, more of your questions about the NFL draft as we get you prepared for Thursday. Stick with us. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. And we are back for our final locker room session, answering all of your Q&A questions for the Detroit Lions and the upcoming NFL draft. Let's go to a couple callers that we couldn't get in touch with last time. Um, Let's go back to Nathan Nathan, are you there this time? Can we hear us? Can you hear us? Can you hear me, guys? Yep, we got gotcha. you. Oh, I'll tell you this. I'll tell you, it's the second time every time on this app, man. It always <laughs> kicks me out the first time. <laughs> um, so I, I was, I've been kind of thinking, like, I think that the Lions are warming on the receiver thought because I think they feel like Chase might be gone to Cincinnati. I think they're going to try to pair him with Burrow. Cincinnati's going to try to get um, Chase for Burrow. Mm-hmm. And I actually think Devontae – I'm Devontae. God. Um, Smith will actually go to Miami with Tagovailoa. I think they're going to pair um, mm. Smith with Tagovailoa because they play together. So I, I have a scenario where I think the Lions are going to have the choice between Sewell and Slater still on the board. Who would you take and why? Uh, another great question. If, if you actually watched our, our mock draft Fridays – 
this week. We made a stipulation where the Lions couldn't trade out of seven, and Panay Sewell was in there. Uh, I think actually both Panay Sewell and Rashawn Slater were both there in both scenarios that we ran that night. Um, so Ryan, I know, I know you're a big Slater guy. Has he jumped you? Has he jumped Sewell for you? I don't know if he's jumped Sewell so much as he's like firmly entrenched as one a or one B and I would be fine with either of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I will say the thing that I like with Slater and this is kind of thinking more, more short term in a sense, because um, you know, and this is a long lions rebuild, right? But you know, if the Lions draft Slater, like, he's right tackle day one. Like, I have zero concerns about it. Um, the guy is just an athletic um, – he, he, he's, he's an athletic thing to to uh, to witness in terms of his footwork, in terms of his technique, in terms of everything that you want out of, out of a modern-day um, tackle um, outside of his arm length. And you know what? I, I think he can – I think he can overcome that in the NFL. Um especially with some of the tape that he's put against like premier pass rushers in, in, uh, in the big 10, you know, going up against Chase Young and AJ Epinesa and Zach Bond. Um, I, I will say that the thing that kind of worries me to a certain extent is Sewell making the transition from the left side to the right side um, in year one. I don't think it's something that he can't overcome. I mean, it, it seems like from, from every, everything I've read about Sewell is that, you know, he's, he's ready to take on any challenge head on. So, um, I, 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 there's something about Slater that I, I, I just really like. So I, I would be fine with either pick, but um, Slater has definitely become um, one of the more intriguing options at seven. Yeah, the ceiling think, is higher. Sorry. No, that's okay. I was just going to mention really quick that I, I believe it was this week that it came out that Sewell is basically training at both positions in, in the, the uh, possibility that the team that drafts him already has an entrenched left tackle like the Detroit Lions. But, yeah, I'll throw that question to Erica. Which player do you think has a higher higher ceiling? I actually think Sewell has the higher ceiling than Slater um, because the kid's 20 years old. He's going to be 20 years old starting in the NFL next year. He started in the Pac-12 at 17 and dominated. Like, the the upside that he has is really – seems almost unlimited. And so that I think is what puts him slightly ahead of Slater. But like Ryan said, there's so much to like about Slater. Like he's, he's your day one. Both of them will be day one starters at right tackle. It should be an easier transition for Slater. Um, But I'm a big, I'm a big fan for Sewell. I think he is. He's, he's the guy that I think could be your all pro. And and you know what? We we're we're talking about ceiling right now too. Like Mm -hmm. which player has the higher floor? honestly it's close i think it might be sewell at right tackle maybe yeah at left tackle i would say sewell um yeah maybe at right tackle too it's it's tough they're 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 a lot closer than people think does the level of competition concern you at all for penny sewell compared to slater because like you like ryan was mentioning Slater's been playing against upper echelon ends. I can't name one in that maybe Sewell maybe played against in the Pac-12 that was making it. You know. No, I, I'm 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 grading on technique and I'm grading on efficiency and uh, uh, movement. I'm not I'm not I'm not going to worry about who lines up across from him. Um, they both handled their business pretty you know very well. No, no East Coast bias from Eric. 
<laughs> I can tell. <laughs> All right, Nathan, appreciate the questions, man. That, that is Thanks. definitely a, a conundrum that might come up on draft day, so worth talking about. Yeah, I, Look, don't be surprised if they're both on the board and the Lions take Slater, in all honesty. Like, I, yeah. I could see it. It's, I'm not ruling that out. I just I happen to like Sewell a tick better. All right, let's, uh, let's go back to Ryan. Let's see if we can connect with him this time. Ryan, are you there? Hello, I'm here. All right, we got you. How are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you guys doing? Good, good. All right, my question is, is it worthwhile to sign Melvin Ingram if he comes at the right price and the right term, given his age and recent streak of injuries? Uh, Ryan, do you have any interest in, in Melvin Ingram? I mean, why not? <laughs> I, mean, I, I, I think when it when it comes to and this kind of harkens back to the discussion about like undrafted free agents um, and having so many spots on the roster, right? Is that yeah. why not? I mean, the, Detroit is really in a position, and I mean, look at all of their other signings: Tyrell Williams. Why not? Rashad Perryman. Why not? Like, I mean, th- these are guys that have struggled with injuries that have you know not really had an opportunity to latch on with any one team. So. I think Detroit, of all teams, is is in a position to, you know, really take flyers on on anybody that could prove to to be productive, and especially on the defensive side of the ball, you're talking about one of the worst defenses ever. Why yeah. not? I mean, he's got the connection with Anthony Lynn. He's he's 31 years old, though he is coming off a bunch of injuries. The question, I think, I mean, I think the question is, would Ingram want to be here? Because you know, he's, and towards the end of his career, is he really looking for that? one year just an opportunity to prove it for one year and then maybe cash in again next year or or are we at the point of his career where it's just like let's just try to get a ring while i'm still in the league um yeah. or, 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 may, or, or maybe the, the other the other aspect of it is like hey how am i gonna get paid right yeah yeah and and the lines just they don't have that right money to to offer him but i'm, I'm curious what eric has to say on him yeah, no, it, it, I, I'm with you. I think at the right price, sure, he's a, he's a good enough player to come in and you need some veteran uh, leadership on that side of the ball. Great. Uh, but it's the right price. And, and I'm not sure at his age if the Lions are going to offer him the right price. And, and I think the other thing to consider, too, I don't know, maybe, you know, I'm, I'm so like on board with this, like, why not kind of mantra, but at the same time, like, do I want him taking away snaps from Julian O'Quara? Do I want mm-hmm. him taking away snaps from Austin Bryan? Um, some 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 younger guys that are on that depth chart. I don't know. Like like Eric, I, I think Eric's more more spot on when it comes to like at the right price. Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking that he could be just a camp body too, with his experience in the league and his multiple Pro Bowls. The younger players could learn one or two things of him as long as he's. I guess on the team, and if he gets hurt and he gets put on injury reserve, you know it, it is what it is. Yeah, it's something to consider. I mean, they they've got one leader and Michael Brockers on that defensive line, but not not much else in terms of veteran guys who've been around and and, and really succeeded. So, I, I think there's there's room for a guy like that. The question is just is there room in the budget? And I think the answer is probably no. But um, it, it's hard to know what he's looking for and and what other teams are offering if if anything. Good point. Yep. All right, Ryan, appreciate the question, man. Let's keep the train moving here. We got Ural. How's it going, man? How y'all doing? Good, good. Welcome back. I got to ask you a question. If the Lions trade their pick, who do y'all see the Lions getting? 
Well, um, obviously a lot of that uh, depends on how far they trade back, but let's let's just play either early teens or, or mid, like the 12 to 15 range. Um, Ryan, who's who's a guy that, that you like in that range for the Lions? Hopefully Rashawn Slater. Like, if, <laughs> I mean, if, yeah. if, the, if, if the Lions can find a way to move back and, you know, there's a run on quarterbacks and, I don't know, the Clellan Farrell pick happens to somebody and, you know, the Lions can, can wiggle their way into something like that, um, that's great. I, yeah. 12, at 12 I, to 15 – What's up? I agree with you, Ryan. If we trade back and Slater's still there, I agree with you. We better take him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, w- one of the positions that, that's interesting, though, if you move back to 12, 12 to 15, there's probably not a chance that you're going to get any of the top receivers. Like, obviously, like Chase will be gone and Devonta Smith speaking, will likely be gone. Speaking and, of Slater, I was watching a film of him the other day when he played against uh, Chase Young. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's Young, pretty good, huh? He shut Chase Young down with ease, and <laughs> he didn't look like nothing. Yeah, I think that's that's what draws a lot of people to him. That that game specifically, I think, gets brought up a lot just because. I mean, we we all saw the talent that Chase Young is, and and continues to be in the NFL now. Um, but yeah, let let's talk. So yeah, I, the wide receivers there. It might be too early for a guy like Rashad Bateman, but I, I don't know. I think there's a chance Devontae Smith is there. Is is he someone you'd be okay taking, Eric? Yeah, I think at 12 is maybe about where Smith might end up going. Yeah. Um, I still 12, think, 12 is Philadelphia, right? Like, that would make yeah. sense. Yeah, right. look, like, like if – and look, if, if Philly trades up – let's say the Philly trades with the Lions. I don't think they're targeting – They'd be they'd be trading up to target necessarily a receiver. Um, they may be targeting a cornerback. That's mm-hmm. kind of uh, mm-hmm. you hear some whispers about that right now that they want to get ahead of Dallas to try and get the top quarter corner. And so if they take a corner and then Dallas takes a corner uh, and then a couple of the you know the pits and the, the tackles go and the quarterbacks go, you might get one of those Bama receivers right at twelve and. You know, even if they don't trade up for a corner, you know, and Parsons gets in the mix, then yeah, Philly and Philly stays. They might get Smith right at twelve. So that's where I see like that end. That's that cutoff for me is twelve. Um, if you go back to like fifteen, uh, JOK makes some sense to me. Sure, I, I would like him. Um, you could start talking about Elijah Vera Tucker. Uh, out of USC, if you, you want to stay on the offensive line, he's like that next offensive lineman for me. Um, that's not a bad spot for him either. So that's, that's you know, you're getting into this kind of next tier, though. Do they look edge then? You know, we just talked about Ingram. Would they look at a guy like Ojulari from Georgia who would be a, a, a pass rushing linebacker? You know, I it, it's 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 harder to tell based – but we, we really have to see how the board kind of drops. And another question, because a lot of people tell me this, but I don't listen to them. They say the Lions ain't never going to win a Super Bowl. Do you think the Lions will ever win a Super Bowl? <laughs> uh, that's that's a heavy question there. Um, listen, I I truly do believe that there is parity in the NFL. I know um, we don't see a ton of it, and there are a lot of teams that stay at the top for long periods of time due to great management due to sometimes it's just due to one good quarterback. 
But we see teams turn it around every now and then and, and eventually win themselves a Super Bowl. There aren't that many teams that have never won a Super Bowl. There are even fewer teams that have been around as long as the Lions who have never gotten to a Super Bowl. I do think their time will eventually come, and and hopefully I'll be alive for it. I think, I think I'm think i young enough where it'll probably happen, but, yeah, I, I think yeah. it'll happen. Yeah. yeah. But Jeremy, Jeremy, can the Lions win a Super Bowl this year? <laughs> no. No, they cannot. <laughs> All right. I was just wondering if it was worth a flyer. I mean, they're like plus like ten thousand odds. I don't know. Oh jeez. Hey, hey, only how we win a Super Bowl this year if we cheat our way <laughs> <laughs> and pay the NFL. We cheat our way because we already know football. Fixes. Oh my hey, goodness. That's what I believe. I believe it's fixed. Watch Tampa Bay go back to the Super Bowl and Brady's probably going to win again because the NFL loves Brady and they're probably going to have Patrick Mahomes probably go again too because they love <laughs> that's how the NFL is they, it, it never, it's like NBA they they like they favoritism these stars like LeBron he always goes to the finals like watch because LeBron is coming back Take it, no, take it, take it a step further, you're all take it a step further. It's like it's like WWE. It's scripted. Yeah. It is, no, man. The Lions, it is. And the Lions get that way. They just got we gotta we gotta come away and cheat cheat our way there to get there. Oh. All right. Appreciate the call, Earl. Hey, you know what? If it works for the Patriots, let you know. Let's just bring the Patriot way back. Oh right? my gosh! While we're at it. Uh, all right, we've got a couple more of these. I want to get some guys on that, that haven't spoken with us yet today. So let's jump to Leo really quick here. Leo, are you there? I'm here, brother. Hopefully you guys can hear me. Yep. Uh, first time on the platform, fellas. Uh, good talking with you guys. Uh, I got a uh, – it's funny because I, I had some questions and stuff like that, and I just decided to, to pull up a mock draft. So – I'm gonna run this by you and kind of incorporate my questions, and we'll we'll we'll, we'll kind of talk about it really quick. Sure. You guys were talking about your guys' mock draft and how you guys didn't sit there, and the parameter was to not trade out. So this is the mock draft right now. It's Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, Kyle Pitts, Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddle. So now what's left on the board is pretty interesting. I've got Trey Lance. Uh, Sewell and Slater and I know that we just had discussions about Sewell and Slater but Trey Lance now becomes this tricky situation because uh, the the Lions can sit there and pick pick Trey Lance here Um, and one offer that was immediate as soon as the pick came up was New England Mm -hmm. and New New England was was willing to let go of one two three and four to go get their quarterback and so that puts us outside of that 12 range. And I, I think you're almost hoping some of those blue chip players fall. But at that point, I think, I, I think you start to, to turn the page a little bit and start looking toward more defense at that point. So I just want to see what, what, what you guys got, um, uh, what you guys think about that whole scenario and just kind of let, let's play. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Personally, I think I'm I'm eyeing the trade down there. Obviously, Trey Lance is is tempting as as are both offensive tackles. But as I said before, you know what what appears to be a blue chip player might not always be that blue chip players. All those guys have at least some concerns with them. I'm I'm taking more flyers. I want I want the draft picks and 15. You should be able to still find a very talented player. And if it's on defense, great. The defense needs a lot of work. If one of those offensive tackles say fall. Great. If maybe a wide receiver falls, I know a lot of them already went. Great. 
I, I do think there are just too many good opportunities still available there at 15. And if you can get an extra second, third, and fourth, you're talking about guy, maybe you know three additional potential starters this year. Um, so I'm all for that. I'm curious what everyone else has to say, though. Ryan, how about you? I, I think really like the high concept here to think about is like you know if the Lions do trade back further than 12 and they, and they play themselves out of getting one of those blue chip prospects. Like what what I'm hearing here is. Do we want to trade back to 15 and accumulate, you know, a second round pick and potentially a third round pick as well? Or are you just comfortable at seven taking your guy that you have done due diligence on, that you've done the research on and and take that guy because you believe in him? I, I think it's an interesting discussion to have. Look, for me, if I am trading outside of 12, uh, I'm looking for a first rounder next year. Uh, if I'm going to get out of that blue chip range, you got to give me something for my future. Now, that means a first rounder next year and maybe not a second that anymore. You know what I mean? Maybe it's just right. it's a third and a day three pick. But if I'm going to skip out on those blue chips, I want a first rounder. So, so what are you doing here? Well, I would I would counter. That's what okay. I would do. You know what I mean? Like I would, <laughs> yeah. I, I would counter in a trade. If New England is coming to me to 15 and saying, I'm going to give you, you know, one, two, three, four, uh, I'm going to say, look, I want one, one, three, four. You know what I mean? Right. So that, that, that's what I would do. Uh, I think once you get to that, it's, it's okay to go to 15, but the compensation really has to go up for me if I'm going to get in that range. You know, Eric, you're really speaking to something because um, uh, I think the question remains is, well, and we sort of got answers here, but um, are the the value of picks more valuable this year versus next year? And, and I think, you know, especially with the Stafford trade, we got to sit there and kind of see that where I think that where they can, and, and uh, uh, Brad Holmes talked about this yesterday in the presser where, um, you know, next year they're going to be able to get, you know, all their hogs, you know, um, you know, on people, be able to sit there and do their evaluations a little bit more normal than um, this past year. And, and I thought that that's the reason why the New England um, trade would be very interesting just because of, of the draft picks. The other thing about that, going back to Brad Holmes' press yesterday, is that he hit on depth. And, you know, obviously, you know, they don't have too many draft picks this year. And he brings up depth now. I, I think trade back obviously kind of uh, becomes real, very real here. Yeah. It's, and that whole, you know, what are the picks going to be worth more next year? It's, it's an interesting thought because you have to imagine that the, the scouting team, all of that will be more refined in year two than it is in year one when you get, you know, a couple months just to kind of gather everything together. But at the same time, what, are, are the Patriots going to be picking 15th again next year? Are they going to be that bad next year? I'm not certainly betting on that. So um, in terms of just like draft spot, um, I think you would maybe expect a, a little bit of a drop next year. But if you can get a first out of them, I, I, I agree, Eric, that might be uh, that might be the best. But uh, you and I both know, Eric, that uh, the Patriots aren't really one to spend it overspend, I think, on draft picks uh, to, to trade up. Right. Yeah, there's there's no way they'd give us a first. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right, uh, Leo. Th- thank you, fellas. Yeah, appreciate the, the question. Um, I think we're going to wrap things up there for the live audience. We might stick around a little bit to answer some of your questions because I know there's some of you still in queue. But for our podcast audience, appreciate you listening to us. Appreciate you joining us. We'll be back on Monday night live on Twitch and YouTube for our full draft preview. And then make sure to join us on draft night, Thursday, Friday night. We will be live on YouTube and Twitch breaking down the draft as it happens. You're not going to want to miss that. We're going to have so much of our POD crew, maybe a couple of special guests as well. But until next time, thank you all for listening. It's chaos. Be kind. to do's, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on the No. No. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower.